Okay. Uh, page one of one oh four where we left off. So, uh, one, page 104, Hebrews 6, yes. Okay. So everyone that uses milk, so when you hear that term, when people say, well, oh, man, today they were preaching milk. Man, I'm tired of my pastor preaching milk. That we use it very wrong. That's not the way the Bible talks about it. We use it as, oh, it was light. I'm, t- I'm tired of just this fluffy messages. That's not... Milk in scripture means teaching. Just means teaching. Means you don't, you're not ready to do, you don't know how to do. And if you don't know how to do, then you need to be taught. And if you need to be taught, I got to give you milk. That's all that it means. It just means teaching. Verse 14, but strong meat belongeth to them that are of full age, even those who by reason of use, what is it? Reason of use. You're using the word. You're putting it into use. And if you put it into use, you have your senses exercised. See, here is a statement that people say, you got to use discernment. Okay? I've, I hear that all the time. <laughs> but here's, here's the reality. A lot of people say that not understanding how to use that. Discernment doesn't mean whether you get, in Spanish, it would be escalofrío. Don't mean goosebumps, doesn't mean feelings, it doesn't mean anything. Your senses exercise means you are both, you are going to know what? To discern what is good and what is evil. If you are skillful with the word in using the word in your life because of the word, you will know how to discern good from evil. Notice how that works. It is not what you know. I don't care and the word don't care what you think you know. What do you live? And if you live the word, you will know how to use the word. That's how it works. Uh, you know, there, it, it's you, you'll be able to decipher. You don't have to guess. You know, and, and it's it's much simpler because if you use the word, you'll have the word. And if you have the word, the word with life. See, okay, how many of you have plants? Okay. If I brought, okay, I'll, I'll use this example, Jerry. Jerry, I know Jerry has plants. And I were to say, Jerry, look, I've been taking care of these succulents for a long time. I have been taking care of them. I've been pruning them. I have been watering them in the sun. I want, I've, they've been, you know, I've grown them since they were babies. What would you say to me? Right? And you would go, that is really cool styrofoam. <laughs> you know why? Because Jerry knows real plants and she, she's being kind. But the reality is she looks at that and goes, yeah, you didn't water that. You didn't water that. You, you didn't do all that. 
<laughs> I'll use this as an example. And, 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 and it's, it's, it's interesting. See, because, okay, I use the conversation me and Ted had, we were going, we were on our trip to Portland, right? And we were talking about people that have come across and said, you know, things that they do, right? They think, you know, the, the stories in which they give and which they do. And, you know, whether when you were a part of, you know, uh, 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 doing other things and other ministries and other, uh, uh, you know, people that you would come across, it ain't, it doesn't take you very long to be around someone to go, oh, you don't know what you're doing. <laughs> Speaking of spiritual things, it doesn't mean they're a horrible person. It just means they're not trained. Have you ever known somebody that went into an interview that embellished their resume? And you went in there and they came in and you go, they don't know Excel spreadsheets. They don't know Microsoft Word. They don't know that. Because you be, it, you know, because we're, I don't know, one of the things we're talking about is, is just how some people are scared and some people don't know how to, to step into that mode. And, when, and sometimes it was just you in moments. When you, when you do that and you're used to that, see, when you're around someone that does, you know it. And when you're around someone that doesn't, you know it. <laughs> I, I, you know, again, I'm not talking bad people, good people. I'm just talking being able to discern right and wrong, good and evil. You can pick up people's intentions. If, you're, if your senses are exercised by the Spirit and you're obedient, you will hear the disobedience in the mouth of someone else very fast. Because you'll go, that doesn't sound like my father. You might not say that to the person, but you're going to hear it. It's all the same. If you exercise the word in your life, by reason of using it, you're going to, you know, if you're a, we're talking about framing, you know, contract, you're, you're a drywall. Okay. It, I worked in construction. I still do. If I had no experience in construction or drywall, and I started saying things to you because I watched two three-minute videos of YouTube, Randy, you're probably going to pick up and go, this guy's not a drywaller. If the only words I knew was tape and texture. And that's the only words, and I just kept on repeating them. Tapes and tape and texture, tape and texture, tape and texture, drywall, tape and texture, drywall, drywall screws. And then you go, okay, well, you know, what, 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 you know. No, I didn't knock it down. <laughs> But, but yeah, you 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 know, and and in the inside, you know, like we, I, I deal with insulation. So I know there's when when I'm talking to a builder, I know if that builder knows what he's talking about or not. And there's some builders that are general contractors that are not. They hire subcontractors, so they don't necessarily have to know every detail. But I know enough 
to have been doing it for years, installed it myself to go, oh, he don't know what he's talking about. This guy needs a little bit more help than the other guy. Why? Experience, touching it, doing it, talking about it, being immersed in it. The knowing how. how. That's all it's saying. You know what the meat is? It is the knowing how. The meat is the doing. Milk is the teaching. Here's the instruction. Okay, here's A, B, C, D, E, F, G. And then this is how you put it together. And then this is what it looks like. And the scripture says this and everything that. See, and we get inspired and go, man, he's talking about the cross. That's meat. No, that's still milk. That's just milk. It's okay. Because there's times when Paul rebukes him and says, I wanted to give you spirit. I wanted to give you meat, but I couldn't because you were babies. I gave you milk. And then there's other times that he talks about it in not a negative way. He says, but I had to give you milk. I had to teach you. And through the teaching, I'm hoping you can generate enough strength because what does a baby first eat? Milk. Why? He has no teeth yet. Once the teeth come in, he gets older, mature enough, he can start exercising those things in his life, his limbs, his hands. I watch Ezra, and I I know my nine-month-old, I've noticed this about a month and a half ago, he's right-handed. It's simple because my son grabs everything. And he uses both hands. And this one he grabs real well, very detailed with all five fingers. This one is uncoordinated. And he doesn't know how to grab as well as this. So what would that tell me? He's right-handed. How do I know that? Watching him doing. That's all that it is. It's not, it's not like hard. So then what, what, what is he talking about? In the doing part, continue, let's continue reading. Hebrews 6, Therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrines of Christ, let us go on unto perfection. Well, I, well where, how many of you guys ever heard this one? We ain't perfect. Yeah. Well, what the Bible says. Let's go on into perfection. What is perfection, though? What does that mean? Hmm? Maturity. Maturity. You know, I, I've, I've, I, there was a house in Pleasanton we did the work on. And they, it was the highest priced gross house in the Tri-Valley area. They sold it last month. And it was like, I don't know how many millions of dollars. And I walked in. This house was awesome. And it was the highest, most, highest priced profitable house that they sold in the Tri-Valley area. The builder, I know him very well. When you're doing, and let's say, let's take the sheetrock off in your mind. You've got the two by fours and, you know, you got the studs going. There's something that the insulation company has to do. 
and they have to put what they what, what they call the company is called Hilti Foam. The Hilti Foam covers any air gaps. Okay, and they put it around the windows and all this stuff. Well, sometimes the guys are lazy and they're just they do it real fast because it's it's like a thousand dollar gun with a really long end, and they just you just hit the trigger and it just begins to come out, and they just and they just do it real fast. Well, if you do it and you're not paying attention, you get bulges. And then when the foam dries, it hardens and expands. So they'll do their job. But see, this builder who builds very, very expensive homes, after the insulation company does, what comes next after insulation? And the drywall, the drywall guys look at that wall and they go, oh no, that needs to get scraped off. Why? Because you're going to have bowing in your sheetrock. You're going to have waves. See, I can see the waves in this house because this is not a custom house. This is the track. So they don't take the time for it. But you get one house that they're paying a lot of money for that drywall company has to take their time and make sure. And so he has to scrape off the excess so that the sheetrock can be laid on there and be straight. Okay? That when it's laid straight, do you know what they call it on the straight line? It's true. Hmm. It's an interesting statement. That when something is straight without curves, it's true. See, you're called to perfection. You're called to live a life that is true. See, we can sit there and go, well, I'm not perfect. You're right. You're not. But you're not of your own. You were bought with the price. So therefore, therefore, glorify God in your bodies, which is your reasonable service. Hmm. Well, I thought I was, you know, well, no, see, you, that's the problem. Paul says, for you have the mind of Christ. See, you got to stop thinking with angel's mind and Carmen's mind. And we need to start thinking with his mind. And be true. So Hebrews 6, Therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on unto truth, perfection, maturity, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works. If you are repenting from the same thing over and over again, you ain't true. Because you know what it means? You haven't repented yet. <laughs> See, if you're repenting over the same thing over and over again, you're saying over and over again. Repentance is the change of the course of the direction of where you were going. See, I can't cheat on my wife and repent and then cheat on her over and over and over again and repent to her over and over and over again. 
You know what she calls that? A cheater. That's, that's pretty simple. <laughs> so repentance from dead works, if you're stuck in that mode, you haven't repented yet. So repent. Be done with it. Or the way the King James Verse is, reckon yourself dead to sin. Okay. Here's another part of dead works. If you're still trying to do something to achieve God's goodness or grace or love, or earning it through something you do. If you pray and you feel loved after you pray, you're still doing dead works. Hmm. Okay. If you pray and then you feel loved after you pray, you're still committing dead works because you're not believing you're just loved. You felt like you had to earn it because you were praying. You're not, you don't earn God's love because you prayed. You earn God's love because God is love. See, there's a difference. See, we have this thought. We go, we're all God's children. That's not what the Bible says. Does God love all? Yes, he does. Has God saved all? No. Because not all have accepted it. Has God offered salvation to all? Yes. Yes. But see, we have to get out of this thinking of you earning Him. You don't earn Him. He gave Himself for us. Yeah, you, you know, for, for about a year and a half, we stopped doing things on Sundays. You know why? Because if we didn't do something on a Sunday, I had like this weird twitch. Right. Yeah, literally. And I told my wife, I said, I'm done. I'm not doing anything on anything on Sunday. I'm not doing it. Yeah, you know, it, it's like, oh, oh, oh. you know, I felt like I had this weird twitch and I had to kill that. I'm not saying that that I'm not saying that that going to church on a Sunday is a bad thing. That's not what I'm saying. But see, if you if you get if you're right, it, whatever you get your identity from is where you get your life from. So what do you identify with? That's the question. If you get your identity because you pray and it ain't Christ, you're still religious and you're still trying to earn works that are dead. If you fast and you believe that you get 
that that God loves you more because you fast, you're still connected to dead work. I'm not saying fasting is wrong. Fasting is a good thing. Reading your Bible is a good thing. Praying is a good thing. Praying in tongues is a good thing. Operating the gifts is a good thing. Healing the sick is a good thing. But if you heal the sick and then go, he loves me again, you're still stuck in dead works. That's the truth. You don't earn it. Because here, here, here's, here's the thing. What could you possibly do to earn it? Because yeah, he knew you couldn't. Randy, you're a great guy. But you didn't earn it. I know. We're not going to ask Cheryl, but we, we're just saying. <laughs> But we, we, see, I was just, was it this morning, honey? Our conversation, was that this morning? I'll I just share with you real quick. Uh, we were talking this morning before I went to work. And, and I was telling how much I love her and I appreciate my wife and just different things. And, and I'm sitting there in the kitchen and I, I, I will be honest with you. Because this is something that I've struggled with. I pastored. I went to seminary. Dude, I've got hangups too. Trying to work through and press through and grow beyond these things. So I'm not saying this because Angels hasn't had any hangups. Yeah, I am saying this because I, I have had to walk through some of this stuff and some of it I'm walking through myself now. If I can be honest. And, and I was just telling her, I said, you know, Here's been a hard thing for me. And the hard part of it is, like, I would, I, this is what I would hear the enemy whisper in my ear at times. And it would be something like this. You didn't earn it. God had to baby you to give it to you. He gave it to you, you know, you didn't earn it. You know, that job that you got, he pitied you and he gave that to you to get you through because you couldn't get at, get out of that. So he gave it to you to get you out of it, but you didn't earn it. And I would just hear that through the years and through the years and through the years. You didn't earn it. You didn't earn it. You didn't earn it. And then I would sit there and just go, you know, I, I would, again, at times, here's how sometimes, right? And then, it, 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 this is, I'm using it as an example, but let's say we had a great meeting. <gasps> oh. And then two people show up. Oh. Nine people get healed. Oh. One person gets healed. Oh. You didn't earn it. And I would fight through that. And I would fight through that. And I would fight through that. And then he was, here's the simple fact. You're right. But you know why I have it? Because he's good. 
That's it. (laughs) I don't have to earn it. I don't have to work towards it. He's good and he gives good things. And even when I don't earn it, when I am unfaithful, he is faithful because he can't deny himself. And this morning I'm sitting there telling my wife this and we're in the kitchen and I'm just, I'm crying just telling her how much I love her and how much I cherish her and I'm just thankful for her and all this. And, 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 and in that I said, I didn't, I don't deserve you. This is what I said. This is just my words. Because I don't. I, I, I have a wonderful wife. I don't. I don't deserve anything I have. I don't deserve my family. I don't deserve my children. I don't deserve anything in health and wealth and finances and peace. And it would just hit in all that moment. The moment I said that to my wife, the Holy Spirit just said, and you haven't earned any of the other stuff either. Just thank me for what I gave you. And it was just all of a sudden we had church. And it was, you mean I could just walk around in gratitude? Yeah, because, see, we limit ourselves because based on what you earn, and that's why you live the way you live. Because you speak by what you think you've earned. And so that's why you have little in this or little in that and in this area and in this struggle because you haven't just learned to be grateful and let him give unto you abundantly above what you may ask or think according to the power that works in you. See, if you have favor, did you earn it? Let me ask you a question. Did you earn your American citizenship? No, I was born of my mom. I didn't earn it. I see my father-in-law become a citizen, and I see what he had to do through that process and the money he had to spend and everything else. And I will tell you, because my father-in-law had to work very hard and wait a long time and go through all of these hoops and everything else and do everything right to become an American citizen, he gets aggravated with our people coming in without wanting to go through any of that process because he knew what it took. He understands that. But see, I didn't earn any of it. I was just born here. That was it. So foundation of repentance from dead works, we're going to stop that. See, I don't got to lay hands on the sick to get God's goodness in my life. I lay hands on the sick because I have God's goodness in my life. See that, 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 see that works? That's totally different. I don't got to wind up God's goodness for me and then put a coin in it and hope I get a, the, the, the gumball that I'm wanting. No, I just, he's always going to have it for me. Why? Because it's just life. Faith, toward, how, how about this one? Uh, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith towards God. 
Did you know that we're supposed to grow past faith towards God? Exactly. Because most of the churches you walk into, you've got to have faith. That's the sermon. When, when the writer of Hebrews is going, no, you've got to get past that. In other words, that doesn't need to be the conversation anymore. We should have understood and established that. Faith towards God. We struggle with that. See, Christians struggle with that. You know how I know that? How many Christians got toilet paper at Costco? Yeah. My daughter did. She bought me some, but I didn't tell her to get it. <laughs> how many? How many people? How many Christians were panicking during the pandemic? How many Christians? How many Christians still wear masks? How many Christians still get scared? How many? Many. You know, and it's and see, here's the part that people don't catch. It says that when the when the leper here's the fine print, and Jesus touched him. See, we just read that and go past it. Do we just read right past it because it doesn't mean much to us in our culture? Yeah, yeah, we we're like lasagna, leprosy. What is it? It doesn't mean anything to us. But 2,000 years ago to that reader, and he touched them, that is a huge deal. Huge. And he touched them. What is that saying? He wasn't scared. He wasn't intimidated. He wasn't frightened. He didn't, he didn't have six feet distancing, social distancing. Would you heal me? Yes, I will. Be healed. There was no fear. Why was there no fear? Because he had faith. Why could he have faith? Because God was faithful. And because God was faithful, it's easy to have faith. Nobody... When you sat down on the couch, did you test it to make sure that the couch was secure? <laughs> right? But you've never been to my home. But see, we, we don't... It, it, see, we think of faith as in the straining. We think faith is straining. No, that's doubt. Doubting makes you strain because you're really working really hard to try to believe. Faith, Hebrew says, is the rest. Yeah, exactly. So if I have faith in God, I just have faith in God. So I can walk down the street and have faith in God. Not complicated. It doesn't get all crazy. Okay. Um, 
How about of the doctrine of baptisms? See, we're still arguing. Notice it says baptisms. We're still arguing about that. Should we sprinkle? Should we dunk? How long should we? Should we keep them there 30 seconds, 45 seconds, until they, you know, until they make sure they, they baptize their wallet with them? How do we baptize? Do they speak in tongues? Do they not speak in tongues? Do we, you know, we have all these different crazy stuff. How about we baptize them in water and in the Spirit? And then there's other baptisms. You know, Paul talks about a baptism of fire. There's, there's other baptisms. Notice it's a plural, baptisms. Okay. And of, oh man, this one's head-scratching because the church definitely don't practice this one. Laying on of hands. What are ways that we've seen in the scriptures the laying on of hands? Healing the sick. What other way? How about somebody receiving the Holy Ghost? Laying on of hands. But then, but then the church says, lay hands suddenly upon no man. Because their devil is stronger than your Jesus. Really? Because this electricity will knock out anything it touches. It has to watch out for me. I don't have to watch out for it. But yet we're still stuck there. Resurrection of the dead and of eternal judgment. Ooh. All right, let's, let's go on. Uh, I'm going to pass one of... Just read, read all of that stuff. Uh, John 4, when it talks, when he's uh, Jesus encountering the woman at the well, um, you know, it says, you know, shall, Jesus says, if you drink of this water, you shall never thirst again. And the woman was like, well, give me that water, right? And, and here, here's the key, because she goes, give me that water so I will never be thirsty again. And then here's the important statement. So I don't ever have to come back here to get more water. Do you, do you know why she was coming and why Jesus was able to meet her alone? Because it says she went at a time in the sixth hour, which was the different time where then all of the women going. Why? She had many men in her life in her past. And she was tired of hearing it from all the church. She went to go be alone. And Jesus meets her there and says, she, he says, can you give me water? Right? And they have this whole conversation and then he tells her, but if you, de- if you drink of my water, you'll never thirst again. Okay, now here's another sacred cow. How many times in the church we go, how many of you are hungry and thirsty after righteousness? And the church goes, yeah, then you're not saved. That's literally what, how many of you have none of God in you? Yeah. That's literally what they're saying. Because what did he say? If you drink of me, you're never thirst again. Yeah, in Psalms, in the Old Testament. What are we now? In the Beatitudes, he says that. He mentions that. He th- See, blessed are they that hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. 
See, the old covenant, you were still thirsty for it. New covenant, Jesus is here. You're not thirsty. You shouldn't be thirsty anymore. You should be filled. I'm not hungry anymore. I'm filled. Now it's time to go feed others. See, and the whole purpose of that whole conversation with her in verse 15, it says, the woman said to her, sir, give me this water that I thirst not and neither come hither to draw anymore. He's like, I'm tired of doing all this stuff. And he says, well, come. See, if you come and you drink of my water, they ain't got nothing to say. Why? Because you are no longer that person anymore. That was the whole point. And then he goes on, talks about spirit. Verse 34, catch this, in page 106. That whole conversation that Jesus is having, if you go all the way down to verse 34, Jesus saith unto them, My meat is to do the will of him that sent me. You want meat? Go do. You don't do? You are not ready or you are not willing to eat meat. Or maybe you're not ready. And if you're not ready, we'll give you milk. And then once we give you milk, we kick you out to go eat meat. We encourage you in the Lord to go have meat. I love milk, but I love steak, Ted. I'm a meat eater. I'm a carnivore. All right. Evidence of the Old Covenant mindset. An Old Covenant mindset is always looking for God to speak to them through another person. In the Old Testament, it was usually the prophet that spoke for God. And what does everyone on Sundays do? I'm going to go because I want to hear the pastor preach. Cool. What did God say to you? I don't know. I, I, I didn't pray in tongues this week. So you didn't read your Bible? Oh, no, no, no. I'm saying I didn't pray in tongues. Well, you got a word. You got the word. So here's, here's, here's the mindset that we don't get. Did, you know, I'm waiting for God to speak to me. Go read it. Well, but no, no, no. I'm really waiting for God to speak to me. No, really. Go read it. It's the word. He is the word. That's simple. But if people that go to want waiting to hear for a person to tell them you're in old covenant thinking. See, we shouldn't come here. See, let me rephrase this. This is a training session. Churches shouldn't just come when 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 our life team comes, I don't teach. I don't. Because these are people that are doing. I don't have to teach. I might encourage. We'll bring up some things. We'll have conversation and different things. 
But most of the time, what we're doing is we're interacting, talking about different areas, strategies in the cities, what we're doing. This is what's happening. And then we'll talk about some things. What's going on? What is reality? What, you know, I've noticed this. I've noticed that. And we put our heads together and then we pray in tongues for an hour and a half, laying hands on one another. And then we have more fellowship, get ready. And then we go back into the fight. That's the church. But nobody comes to go, I want to hear what Angel has to preach today. Because that's not the training room. We're coming in. We've got the war table out. We're talking about strategy. We're finding out what's happening. Where do we send the tanks? Where do we send the foot soldiers? Where do we send the, you know, the, the artillery? Where do we throw bombs? And we plan. And then we go. That's the church. But the Old Testament mindset is, yeah, but the Old Testament mindset sounds, entertain me, preacher. Give me a good sermon. Yeah, so I can, so I can, you, I, you better give me meat, because if not, I'm going to stop coming. I'm going to stop coming if he stops, if he don't give me meat. An old covenant mindset will always be trying to earn or deserve God's blessing rather than believe that everything we get from God, we get by grace. Next page. Old covenant mindset will emphatically state that everything is by grace. And you'll hear it. Oh, I know. Everything's by grace. But their actions will prove that they believe that everything is by works. An old covenant mindset will always be afraid that God is either mad at them or something or will get mad at them if they mess up in any little thing. I better not mess up. I better pray this morning. I better get it right. I remember I, I met a, a contractor in the Bay Area. We were talking and I seen him and I and I. Uh, something he was in the back of a truck and I and I don't he, I don't remember how it happened but I asked him I said hey let me pray for you oh you're a believer oh, I am a believer oh you lay hands on the sick yeah I lay hands on the sick and then you know and so we started sharing testimonies and I'm telling him so he's saying we're excited and then I told him um, I don't remember what story I told him it was and he just looked at me he goes bro you know why you know why that happens right and me being you know I was like yeah. He's good, you know, and he goes, well, he does that because he's got to make sure that everyone's humble. And he went on this, this whole spiel of humility, right? And he goes, you know, see, you know, because God wants to keep us humble. And, and, and so he went on and I, and I said, you know, I said, brother, that's, that's, that's cool. And, um. <laughs> And, and I said, you know, I said, but but the Bible says to therefore humble yourself, therefore, under the mighty hand of God. Yeah, but he quoted, then he quoted an Old Testament verse. I said, that's cool. But the, yeah, this is James, this is the New Testament. Humble yourself, therefore. No, the God ain't trying to humble me. You want to walk in arrogance and bless others? Go for it. You will pay the price for it at the end. Because it ain't about you. 
See, you can walk in pride and walk this out in faith. You can do exploits and be prideful, arrogant, a jerk, a cheater, a liar, a manipulator, and a preacher all at the same time. I know a couple of them. You know how I know that? Because what did he say? You heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out devils. But I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of iniquity. That's simple. So you, it, it has nothing to do with that. But old covenant mindset, you're stuck in this place that God is against you. Yeah, and I know, I, me too, I know. Therefore, they're always afraid to try anything. They're always afraid to do anything without an express leading to do it. Most preaching has been from an old covenant mindset, so the normal teacher from the pulpit is don't do anything without permission or you will get in trouble. Many times the permission referred to from the pool is from the pulpit or their denominational headquarters rather than from God and his word. Insecure people or ministers feel a need to be controlled when they should be equipping and releasing for service. See, there is no such thing as a mature church of 20,000 believers in one building. That's not a mature church. Now, you can have a crowd and a gathering. Jesus preached to thousands and fed them. 5,000 men, right, with the, with, the, with, with the loaves and the fish. Some estimate over 20,000 people in that setting. But those weren't his disciples. Because when he left and he went across the other side and the, in, with the with the Gadarenes and he goes and then they came and it says in all these boats they were looking for Jesus for days and then they came across the Sea of Galilee and they found him and said, Jesus, where have you been? And the disciples said, they, all these people, they came to the shore looking for you, Jesus. They've been looking for you for days. And Jesus said, yeah, and I know. Well, but they're looking for you. He said, they didn't come looking for me. He said, they came looking for the bread and the fish. Those aren't followers of me. They were looking for stuff. Go read, as you read, it's, it's interesting. Read, when you read Jesus' life, he did things that you and I would consider unproductive in today's ministry. Jesus. You know that guy? Died on a cross. Jesus. But it's funny because like there was times where he would go and he would heal the sick and there would be all of this uproar and it said and his name and his fame would spread in that area. And the next statement it says and he gets up early in the morning and he leaves to the other place. He would ditch the crowds. And they wake up looking for him. Where's Jesus? Where's Jesus? He's like, where's Waldo? Where's Waldo? Where's Waldo? Maybe looking for Jesus. And Jesus would go on the other side and start preaching there. His fame would go and bread, uh, you know, spread abroad. And then he'd wake up and they'd all be like, oh man, today was so good. Church was so good last night. I can't wait till tonight when Jesus is really going to just let the Pharisees have it. And they all get there and they're like, where's the preacher? And Jesus goes south. 
And he keeps on doing that. Like he wouldn't stay in one no. place for a long time. He wouldn't. Because he here's the understanding. Jesus went to start revival, right? And be revival. And he went and spread seed. All right. All right. See, we go. I want to see it grow. I want to see it grow. Oh, I want to see it grow. Yes, a hundred of them grew. He loves me. He loves. I knew he called me to this place. I knew he called me to be here. I knew him. Yep. Yep. See that? Oh, that, that was. See, I'm going to build a website and I'm going to tell them that 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 was me. Yeah. And so, and this is what happened. That's how we do it. Jesus went and spread seed and then continued. And we look at Jesus and go, but hold on, aren't shouldn't you be responsible for, for what? Having faith in my word? I do. That is my responsibility. And my word, I had faith in it. And that's why I left it there, because I knew it would bring life. You get the difference? See, he didn't sit there and go, oh, I hope it works. He went, I know it works. I know it works. I know it works. Whole different way of doing it. And then he would circle back a year later and go, see, I told you it worked. I, why? Oh, I left it with faith. It's just a matter of time. And Peter's like, oh, how did you do that? I trust him. He don't lie to me. It's that simple. And we get all discombobulated. All the frozen chosen? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And uh, so she's sitting there, and there's this old lady that came that her daughter was willing up to repent. She's just like this awesome. And all these prayer people, they were praying for all the other people. And she was just looking at them, and she's like, nobody's even going over to try to pray for these people. And she was just watching it, and, she, and the Lord spoke to her, you go pray for them. She's like, man, she's not saying it. I'm not one of them. I can't. And her husband, you know, he can tell when God's telling her something, just don't do it. Don't do it. I mean, don't do it. And she couldn't help it. And then finally the Lord said, I said, go pray for her now. So she went up there and she just laid hands on her and started praying for her. Her bones just appeared. She said, just hearing uncracked. She got up out of that wheelchair and walked. Walked up and down the aisle. And they're just kind of looking and... She thought she was going to get in a lot of trouble stuff, which they just pretty much ignored. The lady getting healed, so the pastor. Oh, yeah, you'll get a lot of trouble in church yeah. doing Jesus the stuff. The woman came over to her, and she just said, well, you better go give her this pamphlet, how she can keep her healing. Oh, oh. And Loretta looked at it, and she goes, she goes, we're done here. Yeah. And she said, we're done here. So this is, you know, 
because that's what they're wanting is what you're talking about. They mm -hmm. want you, like I'm not, whether you're special or in it, but that blew me away for the whole church to see and the prayer leaders see this lady get up and uncrackled, unwet, and walking up and down right and pushing her own wheelchair out to her daughter being shot. And they acted like, and she said, it just seemed like they didn't, it's like they didn't acknowledge it. Yeah. Right, it's like right. that, was, that wasn't a miracle. You guys are praying for all these people, and they're just walking back. Who knows if they got healed or not? That was a miracle. Mm -hmm. It's just like, she said, yeah, we're done. And so she's like in with groups and people, like kind of what you're learning, because that's what they want to do. They don't want the church thing. They don't want the thing. They just want to do whatever it is that God's yeah. Yeah, and, and 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 let me just just say this to just I'm not bashing the church. Well, I am, but uh, what, what I mean, but what I I guess what what I I am, but what I mean by that is, and uh, what I what I mean by that is this: I'm bashing the thought process that the organized church in the box in which it is created. You know, and 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 that that's what I mean. And and so I'm not bashing the bride of Christ. Because I do believe that even though through that it is the church, the church is the bride of Christ. You know, in in, in that. But it's it's like any, you know, it's just if if her white dress has a spot. You you know, we have to be come to terms to be able to address these things and speak clear doctrine. That is truth. So let me read this here real quick. I want to finish this up. Uh, first, Second Peter chapter one. Uh, we're going to start verse sixteen. Second Peter. Verse 16. We're going to read a section here. We're going to finish uh, that chapter, 2 Peter 1. Second Peter chapter 1, verse 16. And it says this. This is Peter writing. It says, For we have not followed cleverly devised myths when we when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. But we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. So he's, he's saying, I was there. I seen him. I seen Jesus. For he received honor and glory from God the Father when a voice came to him from the majestic glory saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And we ourselves heard this voice, which came from heaven when we were with him on the holy mountain. Now think about that. Peter's going, man, we seen it. We heard it. We touched him. We were there. See, a lot of us were just, you know, we're like, man, I wish I could be there during the time of Jesus. And see it and hear it and feel it and touch it and all these things. And then Peter, right after he says, and we were with him on the holy mountain. What was he talking about? Mount of Transfiguration. When Moses and Elijah appeared. We seen this. 
And we have a more reliable word of prophecy, which you would do well to follow. Now he goes, we see Jesus, we touch Jesus, we heard the voice, we seen him on the mountain, but we got something better. The word. We have a more sure word of prophecy. Well, what would be better than the voice saying to Jesus? What would be better than, than seeing him in person? You have him. You have the word. A more reliable word of prophecy. And you would do well to follow as to light that shines in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises, where? In your hearts. But know this, first of all, that no prophecy of the scripture is no matter of one's own interpretation. For no prophecy at any time has produced by the will of man, but holy men moved by the Holy Spirit spoke from God. See, when it's all said and done, how do you heal the sick? Read the word. How do you set them free? Read the word. How do I renew my mind? Read the word. How do I live out my faith? Read the word. What do I do? Read the word. How do I live through the spirit? Read the word. How do I know what to do? Read the word. But shouldn't I ask Jesus? Yeah, you ask him when you open the word. Yeah, see, exactly. And see, do you, what would you want? Would you want to shake Elon Musk's hand and, and him tell you in private, I guarantee you I'll give you $10 billion. Man, and get all excited? Or would you want to go, can I get that in writing? Most of us go, oh, I'd like to shake Elon Musk's hand and have him tell me to my face $10 billion. I don't care to meet Elon Musk. Give it to me in writing. If you give it to me in writing, it's binding in any bank. You have it in writing. Do I have the right to heal the sick? You have it in writing. Well, I, I, I just don't know. I don't know if I can live perfect. You have it in writing. Well, but I make mistakes. You have it in writing. But if I screw up, God will God come through? You have it in writing. You have it in writing. See, it's not whether you have it in writing. It's have you settled it that you have it in writing. That's the key. So if you haven't settled it yet, then you might as well not have it in writing because you're not taking advantage of the fact that you have it in writing. So that's the difference. Because you can have it hypothetical. 
I hear people do this all the time. I believe. Okay, I'm going to give you three minutes to talk and you're about to talk yourself out of believing. I hear this all the time. All the time. 